1: Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Wrestling Daily. I have a new webcam now that seems to be working fine and we are joined by Steph Chase. So Steph, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing good, Louis. How are you? Nice to I'm see good. you in uh, better quality.
1: Yeah, I've spent the entire day going through these, which are notes on if political <laughs> campaigning makes any different to election outcomes. So I'm excited to talk wow. about you <laughs> and a good, two night, a, good, a good two shows we had last night. We've got all, all that talk mm-hmm. about NXT and AEW from last night. An interesting name being at um, NXT last night. Roman Reigns getting new music. An AEW star turning down WWE. And then Undertaker decided to... Um, I'm sure it wasn't his choice, but he, he uh, was on the Joe Rogan podcast. Joe Rogan Experience. And I don't know where... So I took day off work today. I don't know where this came from. But when I was scrolling through stories to, to cover on the show, I was like, oh, okay. He really revealed a lot. So The Undertaker mm-hmm. spoke about taking steroids, took some shots on the current WWE product, and explained his current WWE contract status. So we've got a lot of news to talk about, a lot of... Just, just a lot of great stuff to dive into today, and I'm sure Steph will be here judging your guys' hot takes in the comments or maybe giving one absolutely. or two. Um, so let's start with AEW last night, which I thought was actually, listen, if this was raw, I'd probably be sitting here saying to you, fantastic show, absolutely brilliant show. But because it's not Raw and because it's AEW, I actually didn't think it was as good as some of the other AEW shows that we've seen over the past couple of weeks. I think it was actually one of the weakest shows they've done for a couple of months now, but still perfectly solid nonetheless. There was nothing offensive about it or wrong about it. I just didn't think it was as high as the standards that AEW have set for themselves.
2: Yeah, I didn't think it was one of their best shows. Um, I wasn't disappointed by it didn't put me in a bad mood or anything i think i would have jiggled some things around i think i would have ended how they began um i think that would have been much hotter but the, like there was some really good good stuff on it it just wasn't like totally blow away but we you know we got to see moxley wrestle again um and we will probably get into it but i loved the opening segment i think it was one of my favorite dynamite openings i've ever had um but yeah i would have I would have certainly put that at the end. But there is there was nothing like majorly big coming out of it as well. So it was a solid show. And you know, not every show is going to be blow away. I think we just have pretty high expectations. Certainly better than the wall we talked about on Tuesday, though, Louis.
1: No one turned up with some awful makeup after being burned. So it's automatically a better show. Isn't That's that the worst win. show?
2: Um, yeah. <laughs> I think,
1: as you say, AW has been a victim of its own success in that regard. Because... Mm-hmm. It's so good that when the show isn't five out of five, everyone's been like, mm, it wasn't great, but there's nothing wrong with it. It just wasn't at yeah. the high standards that AEW set. And listen, a lot of people, uh, there'll, there'll be a lot said about the opening segment. But I think I judge it similar to how I judge the Brody Lee show in that you can't judge it. They did this thing for a kid. Like it, it worked in terms of the storyline, but it was also for Brody Lee Jr. And you know what? That kid's. Been through hell. If they want to help him in any way possible and make him smile, then fair play to them. Uh, I actually, I thought it, it was it, that that segment, that opening bit, took me properly through the emotions. Of uh, sort of emotional for Brody Lee and Brody Lee's son, then the action was great, and then uh, laughing at the post match with John Silver basically proposing to Hangman Page, which was hilarious, and then Hangman Page rejecting the, the a spot in the Dark Order, which I thought was I, I didn't see coming, I thought he was going to accept it, particularly with how Dark Order have been being portrayed as baby faces recently. I thought that that was going to be the next step, but yeah, it, it was it was a it, it, it was a real, like, sort of, as you say, a, a segment that it was a great opening to dynamite and really quite sort of emotionally
2: provoking. I guess I, you know, I really loved it, and um, I think that I maybe more than other people enjoyed it as a segment, um, even if you put your emotions aside or don't even know the situation going into it, because I think they actually just played it very well for what it was. You know, we have um negative one who's in the dark order. It's his birthday. You know, yes, he's a kid, but it there's just he totally works. I thought Luther coming out, and um, being the villain works because if you're gonna use someone in that spot, I think Luther's a good person. It's not as if you're ever gonna push Luther to the moon. So yeah, let Luther be the guy that lands in the cake. And um, you know, people that like to talk AW with me on, on Fridays know how invested I am in the Dark Order Hangman story. It is my favorite thing. Um, so also, you know, great match as well. But then I love the ending bit, John Silver proposing to Hangman Page, which was so appropriate because this whole thing is Hangman Page is a guy that absolutely had his heart broken the last time he – give his heart to someone, to Kenny, and look how that worked out, and he gave him the answer of someone that has been through heartbreak and doesn't really know if they can trust someone anymore, and they don't know if they can make that commitment, so he said, you know, as much fun as we've been having together, I can't can't put myself through that again because of, you know, my past scarring from my past relationship, so... I love that. Like it's not the end of Hangman and the Dark Order. I think that maybe next week Hangman might help them out, you know, and show that he's he's on their side and he's with them even if he can't just like fully commit. and I think as, as weeks go on, I think we probably will get Hangman in the Dark Order. He just needs to he needs to learn and know for sure that John Silver and Alex Reynolds are not like Kenny they're not gonna do what Kenny did. They're they're in this for life and their feelings are genuine and, and it's just lovely. But yeah, I did see some people, you know, uh, particularly when I was listening to Dave Meltzer this morning kind of talk about this the, the bits with negative one that it just wouldn't be um it wasn't good for people that didn't know like the whole story behind it. I don't think that at all. I, I think it was a great a great segment whether you know the history of what's happened or not. I, I really do. I think that there's something about the Dark Order where this kid, if he's used well and sparingly, actually fits into it and it doesn't seem weird or too cheesy or anything like that.
1: And also, who cares if it doesn't really work for the story for one segment? I know business-wise, yes, probably not. If it, I don't think it didn't work for the story like you, but if you go by what Meltzer said, yes, b- business-wise might not be the smartest thing to do because it isn't might not make sense but who cares in terms of this kid has obviously lost his father less than a month ago if aw for his birthday has decided they want to bring him to a show have his favorites come out and his father's stable you know what fair play to them it's it's not mm-hmm. offending anyone why not and uh, I, I i like what you said about the hangman thing it feels like he he's been in a relationship before that didn't end very well and he's had a bit of a rebound some fun with the dark order and then Dark Order have gone, oh, like, where's this going? Are we taking this, like, is, is this going to be something serious? And then he sort of got a bit worried. And went, oh, I thought this was just a bit of fun for the meantime.
2: Um, yeah. He's not ready to realize his full feelings. In his head, it's fun. But he's not ready to look into his heart and see John Silver and Alex Reynolds shining within there. He's just not ready for that yet. And I loved how they had the he said yes ready and it all came down and like the background comedy of them you know getting rid of it like the comedy that they do especially with the dark dark order works and i'm not someone that can that says that a lot when it comes to wrestling comedy but their comedy always for me like hits very well and i I love that opening and i would have put it at the end i would have had the closing shot of dynamite be like a uh, heartbroken John Silver and Alex Reynolds, and Page looking like walking off with the bottle, and and knowing that he's he's probably hurt two people that care about him, but just needing that you know space. I think that would have been a great a great closing.
1: Yeah. So, I thought, as, as I said, AEW was solid. But I had an issue with two of the matches on the show, Mo- moving on so like Actually, before we do move on, if you guys want to get in your ultra chats, head on over to WrestleTalk.com forward slash russell to get in your thoughts, comments, anything you want us to talk about from Dynamite NXT, from the news, or if you guys have got any particular thoughts that you want to share, then please do let us know. But uh, one of the sort of – not issues I had with AEW Dynamite this week, but two things I didn't like were the John Moxley and um, – um, uh, John Moxie match and the Cody Rhodes match. I thought both were, were, were good matches, but Cody Rhodes shouldn't be selling for as long as he was for Peter Avalon. I get that that's what Cody does, and Cody helps the younger talent, younger talent, but yes, it lets it utilize talent, but I just really thought it, it was almost he sold too much and there needs to be some level. Not every match needs to be a 50-50 where you don't know who's going to win. It, there needs to be some points where, you know what, John Moxie comes out there his first match back. And I I know that they were trying to put over this this new guy, which is great. But I think sometimes he just needs to come out his first match full of piss and vinegar, like paradigm shift straight away and then choke him out. You need those matches sometimes to convey the characters. I think sometimes AEW puts a bit of too much of an emphasis on the matches being of a good quality that... Like, like the Peter Avalon match, which was good. like, But I think a squash would have been more beneficial for Cody. He didn't come out looking great, which isn't ideal, I guess. Uh, uh, is this me being just perhaps a bit cynical? Do you share in what I'm saying or understand it? Or, uh, or do you think I just, well, need to just stop moaning?
2: With the Cody match, I would have either gone a squash, as you said, or had Co- Cody lose after Jade came out. And he got a low blow. I would have then had that lead to the finish. So I would ne- I would never have done this long match that they did. I I thought it should have been over in a matter of minutes. And I think I mean it depends what their future plans are for Peter Avalon. But no offense to him, I can't see that he's going to be a big deal at any time. So I would have either had him have this like great quick upset win on Cody that we all know was because of Jade Cargill and the, the distraction. Or have Cody just squash him to then, you know, send a message to Jay Cargill, either way, but I wouldn't have done it as they did do it. You know, we, we did not need that lens match from Peter Avalon. Um when it comes to John Moxley, they were really trying to get um Will what was his name? I can't remember his name. Nick, Nick Carr Nick uh, Car Ramona. Um uh, no, Nick Carr. Komaroto. Nick, Nick Komaroto, Uh they were they were really trying to get him over and he was very impressive. He's been impressive uh on dark. He's got a great uh look to him. I don't know if John Moxley was the person that should have been giving him this fifty fifty. Um, really. I would have had John Moxley do a squash or if he wants a longer match do it against someone more established. Um, I just I thought that was a bit strange too. I think Moxie, like, he always wants to give a lot, but he is the former champion who lost. And even if he lost by unfair means, he he does need to build himself back up.
1: Yeah, and I, I think sometimes the issue that AEW wrestlers have is they're too selfless. I think in wrestling, yeah. sometimes, I'm talking WCW levels of creative control where you refuse to put anyone over, but sometimes, mm-hmm. you know what, you need to be a bit selfish. You need to go, no, this match, I shouldn't be selling for Peter Avalon for twenty minutes. I should. I am. Oh, I mean, we haven't seen him wrestle on Dynamite in weeks. He's on a losing streak. On oh, I know he was. Uh, to be honest, I don't watch Dark, yeah. so I don't know. Uh, but like, I think you need to sometimes put over that. All right, these guys. There, there is a division of talent, and not everyone can take Cody to a to a, to a ten minute match. I said this when he was doing his TNT uh, title open challenge thing. He put over people so much that it would be more impactful for example if he went 10 minutes with uh i think it was mark Quinn uh, who he wrestled maybe 15 with jungle boy and then he goes 20 minutes for scorpio sky and we're all like oh okay damn scorpio Sky now feels like a bigger deal because he took cody to the limit <laughs> but if everyone's taking cody to the limit then when someone does it doesn't it doesn't have that impact i'm not like oh wow, wow he really took him the limit because now it's just common place um, mm-hmm. I, I agree with the Moxie match that, listen, like this Nick guy looked really good. And probably someone that, hey, we saw this a couple of times with Will Hobbs before he started getting used properly. They started putting him in these showcases mm-hmm. and maybe that's something AW is looking to do with him. But I think there's a time and a place for that. And I wouldn't have had it in this time. I think it was more, yeah. I was more salty about it because, um, because I hadn't, because I'd just seen the Cody one. So I think it was a, a yeah. compound of the two. I was a bit like, mm. uh, A couple of people in the comments have mentioned Peter Avalon won five matches. Yeah, I, so I, I know he's won matches on Dark. I know he was going through that losing streak, lost to Brandon Cutler, and then was started to win again on Dark. But I think, yes, they did mention it on commentary. But if you're not showing us win, you can't go from Dark to then Dynamite uh, and expect me to know that you're going to take Cody to the limit, even if you're winning five matches. Maybe... Yeah show one of the matches or something to 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 make me feel that this guy can take him to the limit and i know listen, this is such a minor nitpick it's it's me i guess if i had any issues with aw for the past couple of weeks it would be this because there isn't really anything else to have an issue with
2: yeah i think that you have to put yourself in the in the mind of a totally casual viewer who's not even looking at this stuff on twitter and Peter Avalon being on a five-match streak on Dark, that just being mentioned in commentary, that'll still go over the heads of most of most of your viewers. So to them, he's he is just as um, unknown as as Nick is, you know. And yeah. um, I think um, mm. if anything, I would have had Nick face Cody uh, with a longer match, and then Moxley just squash someone. Just squash yep, someone uh, that you... Just total unknown, you don't really have anything behind. Just, yeah, like, you know, squash Griff Garrison or something. No offence to him, I but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. something like that.
1: No, I do agree. Um, I mean, elsewhere on the show, we saw... Um, I mean funny segments with the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega which just continues Mm -hmm. to be complex but sort of detailed and engaging and something I'm really really enjoying Matt Hardy and Private Party I've spoken on this show before about how I haven't really been that impressed with Private Party. I would have expected them in the first year of AW to have done more than they have done. But I think over the last couple of weeks, with this partnership with Matt Hardy, turning up an impact on Tuesday, becoming number one contenders and turning heel, they're really starting to show some character and do some great stuff. And I'm enjoying what they're doing at the moment, especially this big money Matt character.
2: Um, The Matt Hardy character and the Matt Hardy Private Party partnership was really the only aw thing that i had a problem with over the past couple of weeks since it since it started i just i didn't think it was the right move for private party to put them with matt hardy it's the whole you know contracting money thing um it it didn't even make sense of why you would even need matt hardy as your manager and taking all this money so I had been very down on it and it it had been the AEW thing that I'd been the most down on and I just said, you know what guys, I I don't get this and I don't think it's right for these two young guys who are called Private Party, meant to be, you know, fun party guys, being stuck with Matt Hardy. Then Matt Hardy and Private Party turned up on Impact and I just thought, you know what, if this is where it's going, this is great. I thought them coming to Impact with Matt Hardy was, The first thing in this whole story, then that made sense because Matt Hardy has that big impact connection. He really did help save Impact a couple of years ago. So for him to come back with his his new young tag team and then end up being the number one contender to the Impact tag title, that, that was all awesome. So this story has redeemed itself for me this week by that Impact appearance.
1: No, I do. I agree with you too. And uh, we got a comment here from up down Avondale, sort of on on the on on what we were saying earlier. I guess with casual viewers, um, Tony Khan. Um, it, a, a, God, I'll, I'll just say I'll read it out for podcast listeners. Uh, I don't think AEW aims their shows uh, at casual viewers. Tony Khan wants hardcore re- uh, wrestling fans, and those are the people that watch Dark and watch being the elite. Uh, you seem like you had a you, you had uh, a response to that. Sorry. Um, sorry. Can you
2: still hear me?
1: Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? No,
2: sorry. Yeah, you went off a bit there. Uh I don't think that I don't think this is true at all. Tony Khan does want hardcore wrestling fans, yes, everyone does. He also wants to bring back last fans. And you cannot aim a show at just hardcore wrestling fans. That's not gonna work. You wanna bring in people that haven't watched wrestling. If Tony Khan's whole business plan was to aim at just hardcore wrestling fans, Frankly, there's not enough of them to make a giant show and get giant viewerships and um, make a great money-making product. So I think that while we're all in the bubble, and that bubble may say that like the real wrestling fans or the most hardcore wrestling fans watch AEW and they follow being elite and dark. Yeah, that's true, but that is not who this is aimed at. Dynamite is a show on network television. It's got a great time slot on TNT. This is not something na- um, aimed at a n- niche audience at all this is meant to be mainstream it's meant to be for channel flickers it's meant to be for everyone and to bring in more fans so no i can't agree with that like all this stuff on dark being the elite that we that we watch people that are hardcore it does need to be explained more to the to the general audience
1: no i i agree with you and listen i think that tony khan's a businessman so yes Tony mm-hmm. Khan wants to like he's done well and he's got the casual maybe not the casual 700 to 900,000 viewers but Tony Khan is going to want to get that million he's going to want to push on yeah. and you can't rely on you can't narrow it narrow down your target audience um and want to progress to progress you do need to go all right how can we be accessible to more people and if that's explaining things slightly more if that's not doing the uh, making things make sense for the casual as opposed to the hardcore fan then I think you you you, you've got to I think I understand what you're saying in terms of AW as a whole target it's more targeted to the hardcore audience than WWE that's without question but I don't think that he only caters to them. I think that if no. he wants to progress the business and the company, he is going to have to try and move the company forward and uh, appeal to a wide variety of fans. Um, I think yeah, I,
2: mean, he, I was going to say, I think that he, he himself is a hardcore fan for yeah. life. And he uses the the sensible kind of booking mentality, what the, what the fans actually want kind of booking that pleases the hardcore fans. And he is using that in the hope that that's the right way to go, that casual fans and non-fans will then be drawn in. But he is absolutely trying to appeal to a mass audience and i think you can even see that watching dynamite cuz there's so many so much different stuff going on from your characters like john moxley and kenny omega to then the dark order and people like that there's a lot going on in that show that's meant for mass appeal rather than any kind of niche
1: I mean, uh, sort of moving on from this topic, on on onto AW as a whole. Again, a solid show. Uh, beach Break next, well, Beach Break in two weeks, and next week's Dynamite even both look like pretty stacked with some great stuff to look forward to. I'm quite looking forward to Dax Harwood wrestling a singles match. I think mm-hmm. it, I, I think he should lose. I think the story mm-hmm. should be that 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 he's he like he's better with Cash by his side. Um, yeah. so I, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to that story. I think there's a lot of avenues you can take um but yeah i mean been very solid show again um in terms of news coming out of the show um we have got here some news about will hobbs and he spoke on aw unrestricted this week um and he said about how uh, he had a WWE tryout WWE said to him oh we don't have anything for you now and then years later after he made his um aw appearance of course uh, WWE reached out to him and said, hey, uh, can we do some work for you? And he basically told them to F off. Um, he basically said, like, F you, I've got no time for that. Uh, and listen, it, it, it is, you can, you can understand why why you'd be annoyed. Like, WWE has got no time for him. He then appears on AW, um, mm-hmm. And they've got all the time for him in the world. So, um, I mean, listen, Will Hobbs got a lot of potential. I think he, he's going to be, along with along with Ricky Starks, real breakout stars of of, um, AW, yeah. uh, of Team Taz. So, yeah, I'm kind of happy that he turned down WWE because I think he'd just be a – although you're sort of guy they'd like, he'd probably just turn into a stereotypical big guy again.
2: Yeah, I, I like this story. I'm glad that Will Hobbs kind of sees the games that are being played and Will Hobbs um, – Knows his self worth and can bet on himself to know that if you didn't want me before I was an AW dark talent, then you don't deserve me after I've been an AW dark talent. And um, I think he's obviously made the right choice. He's in there in Team Taz, you know, such a great faction. He's got some good spotlight on him. Um, and yeah, good for Will Hobbs for doing the right thing for him.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think Will Hobbs has got a lot of potential. Is definitely okay. I, I I think that we've spoken on what well, I've spoken on the test sp three on the show before about how some people just working for WWE is their dream. But I mean, with AW as a viable competitor now, you can make it in wrestling without having to work for WWE. So I don't really yeah, see I think- as, So I was gonna say I don't see this as for wrestlers now where they don't really have a choice if WWE becomes calling. And they want to make it in wrestling. Previously, they would just have to accept it, but now we've
2: got options. Yeah, so many people obviously was it was a dream to work for WWE. It was everybody's dream to work for WWE before AEW came around. Because where else were you going to be on such a big stage wrestling? But I don't want to you know sit here and tell people to change their dream. But dreams can change when other options arise. And um, I think it'd be great if some wrestlers were less stuck in the mentality of you know wwe is the only place like they do there's a lot of wrestlers that do still feel that way um and i think that the pandemic probably made that worse and i wish that would kind of change a bit but i think more people should follow will hobbs lead and you know take a chance
1: yeah i I completely agree with you and uh so will hobbs might not be too fond of the aw product now uh, of the wwe product call it and chose to work for aw and someone else that isn't too fond of the wwe product right now is seemingly of all people vince mcmahon's close personal friend the undertaker so as we mentioned at the top of this show uh, the undertaker appeared on the joe rogan experience he's been doing his his sort of a uh, his sort of media train i guess media media uh, tour recently appearing on hot ones appearing on a lot of other sort of uh, podcasts and sort of more mainstream I'd say um, shows and he most recently appeared with Joe Rogan and said the following about the WWE product the product has changed so much and it's kind of off I'll, usually, I'll probably piss a lot of people off, but they need to hear it. It is what it is. To the young guys who think he's an old, bitter guy, I'm not bitter. I did my time. I walked away when I wanted to walk away. I just think that the product is a little soft. There are guys here and there that have an edge to them, but there's too much pretty and not enough substance. <clears throat> we also spoke about, I can't remember the exact quote, because have, I haven't got it in front of me here, but he spoke about how guys in his day would be walking around the locker room with guns and knives, and now they're just all, talking about video games. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'd much rather work in a locker room where there's no guns and knives and there's video games, but each to their own. Um, I mean, you can see why an old timer, like like I mean, we've seen so many people from when Undertaker was wrestling, have fallen out of love with the product. So you can see why the Undertaker, someone that was involved with wrestling at the time, would also maybe struggle to watch the current product.
2: This is a bad comment by the Undertaker. <laughs> this is a very misguided comment um, because what is wrong with WWE right now is not what he was talking about. There are creative problems that we've discussed uh, with Raw, Three Hours, whatever. Like like those are the problems. He this that is. So like firstly soft was like, such a bad word to use like that you can dig into some many different meanings in that but the way that he was um talking about the the young guys and like oh he it was as if he was saying like we had real men in my day that type thing uh, yeah. And that's just, just like really bad mentality. One thing you can say about how wrestling is now compared to how it was when The Undertaker was younger is, it has very in, much improved as a community as how the wrestlers are. All of that has got so much better. That um, yeah. like all for the all for the best. The actual guys that we have today as wrestlers are, well, frankly, better actual wrestlers than we had back in the undertaker's time and they seem like better people really mm-hmm. like people that that stay out of trouble a lot more and I think that the the undertaker also think of what was going on in WWE in the 90s when he started firstly he was the undertaker so what you know think of what that gimmick was like and I know that I talk so much about my dislike of the fiend and people always go back in my face but you like the undertaker so let's you know take how kind of cartoony the undertaker's gimmick was plus some of the people that he had around him in the 90s as well that was uh, totally you know cartoony especially in the new generation era just frankly, like me i don't know what mark callaway is talking about here uh
1: at all. <laughs> oh, and it got weirder. It got weirder. Um, he also admitted to Joe Rogan seemingly that he was taking steroids. Um, so he told the Joe. He told. He said on the Joe Rogan Experience there was a time when you had to be Jack, especially with the big guys. There was a stigma. You had to be three hundred pounds. It's in our head. Nobody gives a s word. They're interested in the characters we are on TV, but in our head, I was like f. I've got to be 350 pounds. And then he spoke about being on steroids and said, that was uh, the wrestler's mindset then, but we're tested for everything, which I don't understand because there are some big mother effers out there and they're cut. And I don't know how they did it. Like, I couldn't get that way when I was on steroids. I mean, (laughs) uh,
0: uh,
1: okay, I I wasn't expecting that.
2: Joe Rogan gets stuff out of people. Uh, I mean, this this seems a bit like Joe Rogan and Elon Musk, <laughs> part two.
1: I do not want to think about the conversations that went on between Vince McMahon and the Undertaker today. And I, Vince, I, what are you doing? What are you doing admitting to this stuff? Like,
2: come on, stop.
0: I know. Um, it's like
2: just because of the time, it doesn't. This steroid stuff doesn't surprise me, but it is crazy to think that we ever lived in a time when a guy as naturally big as Mark Calloway thought, "I need to get on steroids." Like that's I, that's I would bizarre. What ever happened? Yeah I um, would
1: like I mean the undertaker is for the apart from like this year has protected kayfabe so much like never doing yeah. interviews never breaking character and now he's not only breaking character and revealing, revealing parts of himself he's revealing that he was on steroids
2: i mean he's uh, like someone he has held in every like thought and secret for so long that he's literally like Doing the um, interview equivalent of running down the street naked and just shouting out everything he's ever done in his life because he's like finally free. Um, it's so strange, and also some of the comments he made about current day situation as regards to that probably shouldn't have been made either. Um, <laughs> yeah, but that's a, ve- a very strange. Interview that the Undertaker did there with Joe Logan and he, I mean his his autobiography is going to be a bombshell when he gets when yeah. he gets ready to write that. And I think he is going to write that because it does seem like he's got a lot he wants to say. So I can see yeah, that he, happening. Yeah. Money,
1: money, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was a very interesting interview nonetheless. He also spoke about how I know there was a lot of debate about oh, the undertaker's not really retired. Um, but he said to Joe Rogan that he's uh, so but he switched his contract, he's not a talent, he's a legend. He only works two or three times a, a year, and that's sort of what he's going to be doing now. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, he, he, he's sort of a more, I guess, of, of doing those legends deals like we see. Maybe from I guess Ric Flair, Mick Foley, those kinds of people, as opposed to hey, The Undertaker. I mean, I presume Saudi Arabia. when that opens up, he'll be at the Saudi Arabia shows. Whether he wrestles again is another is another story. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, very interesting, very interesting Joe Rogan podcast.
2: Um, I hope we- all the rumors that we had um, before about The Undertaker being a trainer or helping the young guys, um, based on his comments, I hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> I
1: was like, he's got to be, yeah. Steroids, get get on the roids. Um, Yeah, I mean, listen, you you think about, um, I guess what 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 the Undertaker has. How many times he's retired? Do you think we've yeah. seen the last of him? I know, I know, this isn't linked to what he said on Joe Rogan's podcast, uh, but it has been a debate that people have had since before, since, since the last ride, really, documentary. Uh, do you think we've seen the last of the Undertaker uh, in in terms of a wrestler?
2: Um, yes, but I don't want to look stupid, so no. <laughs> I mean, I think we sh- definitely should have. We should have years ago, but. It did feel more sincere this time than it had before. He went to the whole trouble of making this documentary. The the final farewell thing was slightly strange um, because of the circumstances of them having no fans. But it does feel like it's more for certain. But I can say that if he does get back in the ring and wrestle again, he he has used up any goodwill he has um, in that regard. He is going to be the boy who cried wolf, and that, that will be... You know that the end of it because after the time he left his coat and hat in the ring, then wrestling more and more and more, and then we had this final farewell. You know, he he can't get back in the ring again. And, and he certainly, if he does, he can't make any song and dance about that being the last time because everyone will just be like, Man, we have how many going away parties have we had for you now? It's It's just not happening.
1: As you say, it's the boy who cried wolf, He's going to retire and then not, and then retire and then not. And then, I mean, listen, I, I, if you asked me before Survivor Series, I would have been like, no, The Undertaker's not done. But the way they did it with Vince coming out, I was like, okay, he, yeah. he maybe is done. But never yeah. say never, uh, uh, as is the phrase that is always spouted about in wrestling, never say never. And if you told me that The Undertaker was having a match at the next Saudi Arabia show, I'd be like, yeah, probably um yeah. all right so we've got more news to cover here as we uh head uh, he- um continue with the show um so make sure you guys uh get on over to talk.com forward slash wrestle to so to submit your ultra chats get in your questions comments statements anything you want really and we'll dive into it um actually before the news let's speak about nxt last night which was mm-hmm. a very solid show um we, we saw the the women's dusty cup kickoff we saw uh more uh, men's dusty cup matches We saw a fight pit which i'll always love to see um yeah very solid show what did you think overall
2: yeah solid show but i absolutely loved the fight pit um so much i think that that was certainly the best match that happened on wednesday night it was so good i watched it i watched that match twice in a row like it ended and he just went back to that match. It was great. Um, Champa and Timothy Thatcher are absolutely made for each other. It seems like they may end up as a team. That would that would be awesome. Um, yes,
1: actually, on that note, I believe if I'm not mistaken, while we've been on the air, WWE has confirmed. that uh, yeah. Um, there is an opening, and uh, in the Dusty Cup, because Ashanti the Adonis is injured, so he and mm-hmm. Desmond uh, Desmond Troy has had to pull out of the show. So filling in for them will be, I mean, the sort of mega team of um, of Timothy Thatcher and Matt R- uh, and not marital uh, that 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 was last year. Uh, Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Champa, which could be really exciting.
2: Yeah, Champa. You know, I really like Champa, but he's. He is the dad of NXT, and he does seem a bit lost sometimes, especially when he doesn't have Johnny gargano. and this is this is great for him. I think it will really reinvigorate his career. The fight pit is awesome. This is the second one we've seen, and yeah. I hope they don't overdo it because it's so good. I thought commentary, I love that they brought up the Owen Hart um Lion Stand match. I love that yeah. they brought that up. But I hate it when they kept calling it the structure, saying this structure. That's just a nitpick commentary thing for me. I just hate the word structure being overused in wrestling. Uh, but the match was absolutely awesome. There was some great stuff in there. And Tim- Timothy Thatcher is the most un-WWE guy that WWE have ever signed. And they have found a great little niche for
1: Okay, so just can I check? Has Steph got let me know in the comments has Steph gone for anyone else or is it just me? Um, because it looks I can't see Steph and I can't hear Steph. I'm not sure whether actually let me let me get onto YouTube and have a look who's actually gone. Okay, so Steph's gone. Um, okay, I mean, if Steph turns up, that's great. Uh but yeah, as she was speaking about, um NXT, the fight pit was great. I really enjoyed uh, what they did there. I think having that as they they haven't mentioned it as as uh, Tim Thatcher's stipulation, but the way they're portraying it as such, um, sort of with it with him winning both of the matches, um is it, I'm very much a fan of that. Um sort of storyline that, that they're telling subtly and that whole like, oh, they're doing this um, uh, they're, they're doing this match of the fight pit that has earned their respect, like you can't earn someone's respect more than I'm going to move this way so I'm not Steph Chase uh, you can't earn someone's respect more than being locked in a fight pit with them, so having that and then have them team is really interesting whether it sets up another match later down the line or whether we now just see them as a proper tag team um, But in terms of the rest of the show, I mean, I'm going to leave talking about the Casey Catanzaro bit because it it was brilliant. The the Casey Catanzaro finisher. Um, But elsewhere on the show, I really like the sort of new signings that have been announced for the Dusty Cup. It was. It, it was nice to see some new faces. And when they were announced, I was a bit like, oh, th- these are going to be some some sort of new signings, some uh, not some new signings, some performance center recruits that we haven't heard of. But, I mean, you think about Pr- Priscilla Kelly is, is a name that we've heard on the independent scene for a while. Um, Elena Black is someone that was doing work with AW Dark. So she's someone that we've sort of seen a lot of. Um, and Lacey Ryan, by all accounts, has uh, done, done sort of very good work um uh, with, with i know uh, on on a lot of the in, um independent scenes Um, But yeah, guys, in the comments, while we wait for Steph to potentially return, I'm just going to check my phone. Uh, She said BRB, um, so she will be back. Uh, What did you guys like about NXT or AEW for that matter? Uh, Let me know and I will read out some of your comments. And I'm actually just going to remove this banner while Steph isn't here. Uh, Yeah, let let me know your comments, thoughts on... on NXT and AW last night, and we will read some out. Uh, I liked Imperium and Lucha House Party. Does this mean Walter is coming? I mean, I don't know. With NXT batch taping, Walter could come, NXT UK, sorry, he could come and be on both. Um, but I think it's always, I guess, interesting to see a return like Alexander Wolf. The way I saw it, he was being portrayed as the leader with him standing at the top and looking at the other people. Perhaps that's how they're going to play it. And Alexander Wolfe is going to be the guy to be NXT, basically Imperium's leader while Walter isn't there. Um Gran Metalik is a great wrestler. Who knew? Yeah, I completely agree um i think he is one of the most underutilized wrestlers uh, underrated even we hear it a lot about cesaro gable but it gets a point where everyone says they're underrated so are they underrated but not enough people put gran metalik in that in in that bracket so i really like gran metalik um the casey spot was great yeah i agree we actually had a comment here from matthew Her finisher was great but honestly i couldn't tell if she's supposed to land that way hang on in the meantime enough of your guys comments because she's back Steph Chase is back. I don't know where she went, but she left me. Are we all good now? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me?
2: I can hear you. I'm sorry. My laptop, which has been giving me so many problems this week, decided to just go black screen death.
1: That's all we got from you, Black Screen Death. I was worried it was me. But I think we had Stu Morrison here, who, who, who rather me on my own. So anytime your laptop wants to wants to fade to black, uh, let me know and we can work that out. Um, but no, you, you were
2: saying about the fight pit and um, yeah.
1: how you enjoyed it. So do you want to finish what you were saying there?
2: Yeah, I just really enjoyed the match. It's a, it's such a cool niche match. Um, I hope they don't overuse it, but it was great. And I think it was definitely the best match that we saw on Wednesday.
1: Yeah, I agree, and I really liked how they had how they're slowly portraying it as Timothy Thatcher's gimmick, as oh, his yeah. gimmick match, but without overtly saying, "Oh my God, th- this is this is Timothy Thatcher's." Yeah, um, I just thought it, it's really good how they do that. It, it's just, it's it's like subtle but slowly painting the picture. So it's a long-term story, which I like. Um, I mean, I, I I didn't want to talk about this until you were here but you want to mm-hmm. run us down Casey Catanzaro's finish because i have no clue how to say it what what, what was it
2: uh, i don't have any clue either <laughs> so, yeah it was spectacular and she you know she is uh, someone that can pull off really spectacular moves and yeah it was uh, she rotated many times and it was uh, something that i could never do and i'm not sure any many other people could do either but it's great that she is they finally seem to be properly getting behind her i think that this she has a good shot in this tournament
1: yeah i mean when I, when I saw them in the tournament up against tony storm and um and mercedes martinez I was Okay, they're losing. They're going to be the fodder. So Mercedes Martinez can look great, and Tony Storm can be look great. I was not expecting them to win, but I'm really happy for it. It's what it's about. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm very much looking forward to seeing the tournament progress. Uh, we've got uh, some new signings coming through, which is really interesting. We've just got a lot to be excited about with NXT as we head into TakeOver, which is really exciting. Uh, I mean, I've got Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai to walk out with the win in the tournament. Uh, Who have you got?
2: Yeah, I think that makes sense, just because they seem so much behind Raquel Gonzalez. and Dakota Kai is such a good hand that, yeah, I can see them walking away with it.
1: Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I, I could see them walking out with it. I could see it also going to maybe Candice LeRae and um and uh Indy Hartwell, but Indie, yeah. you don't you don't really know. It, it, it's it's going to be interesting nonetheless uh, to see how the tournament <laughs> progresses. Hopefully, the winners get 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 a women's title shot, a women's tag title yeah. shot.
2: that would make sense because those women's tag team belts, like they have been brought to NXT before, and I think they should be brought to NXT more. Frankly, and yeah. No. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They there needs to be sticks anyway. So I mean a cup exactly. a cup is not enough.
1: I mean, AEW did medals, so uh, anything is possible uh, <laughs> with, with, with women's tag tournaments. So, I mean, uh, Impact, in, in that vein, Impact showed us all how to do, or show, showed up every promotion how to do a uh, yeah. how to do a women's tournament. It was it was perfect. Um, so we've actually got quite a few ultra chats here, which I want to dive into. Uh, we've got one from Jared Thomas, who says, uh, "Good afternoon/slash uh, evening. I'm a huge fan of Lagarto del Fantasma." I love seeing Santos Escobar's promo where he buries the other champions, including Cross. I see that some people weren't a fan of his promo. What did you think about it? Great show. I liked it. I really just like what Santos Escobar is doing as a whole. I'm, I'm a big fan of his. Um, and I saw on Twitter people like Buddy Murphy and Ricochet were, were sort of speaking about him. And, yeah, I, I'd like to see th- those guys uh, all, all, all wrestle each other.
2: I absolutely loved uh, Santos Escobar's promo in NXT. It was one of my favorite things in the whole show. He had an amazing jacket on, so he looked absolutely fantastic. But I, I really loved that he went out and referenced every other champion, including Finn Balor, because I think a champion should, you know, he's that kind of champion that wants to put himself out there as the best. And it was, it was cool to hear him, you know, knock down the other champions while he did it. So yeah, I don't know why anyone would have a problem with that promo. It was one of those things when I was watching NXT and I didn't quite have my eye on the TV at that time. Once he started talking, I was I was like, okay, I'm I'm interested to hear this.
1: Yeah, me me too. I'm I'm I, I like him. I think what they're doing with it with the NXT NXT Cruiserweight championship is great. I'd like to see more of it. I'd like to see more of the NXT Cruiserweight championship and things of that vein because it it does feel like a bit of an afterthought. Um so I would yeah. like to see more of it. Um but yeah. uh, elsewhere on the show, and sort of not on the show, but backstage on the show, we saw or is, is reported that um, a man by the name of Parker Bordeaux was backstage. So for those that mm-hmm. haven't seen him, this is Parker Bordeaux. Yes. So Brock Lesnar. <laughs> um, great. I mean, look at it. Um, recently, Paul Heyman tweeted about him saying this um, uh, Paul Heyman tweeted saying basically Parker Bordeaux follows everyone by the way if, if you want to be followed by a wrestler follow Paco Bordeaux mm-hmm. um, he yeah. said um, where is it sorry about that he said uh, um, so he tweeted 2021 is going to be something special uh, uh, Paul Heyman quote tweets it and said this is not a prediction it's a spoiler Save this and hustle tweet for the future historical reference. Um, but yeah, I mean, look at him, he's reportedly someone that WWE is very interested in. Um, so yeah, I'd like to see more of him if, if, he's, if he's backstage at NXT. Good, good stuff, but yeah, I mean, it's it, 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 maybe it's a stretch to say new signing, but the fact he's backstage in a closed set is pretty, pretty. Significant, so I think I would be shocked if this guy isn't someone that WWE looks for and sort of it it works on signing soon.
2: Yeah, me too. Um, I think that the only thing that would worry me is because he has this um, striking look that is very much reminiscent of Brock Lesnar that they might try they might try to rush him on TV or something before he's ready. This seems like a guy that they should really take their time with because he has so much future potential.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's worth actually pointing out. I just assumed everyone would know who Parker Brodeau is. So he um, is a current American footballer. He Mm -hmm. plays for the UCF. Let let, let me get this up for you because I I do not know my American football. He plays for the UCF Knights football. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Not a clue what that is um are in florida great so so he's in the florida area maybe people in the comments can have a look but i mean the fact he looks like brock lesnar is built like a like a like a brick house yeah right i mean i presume he'll be someone the, the the company looks for for the future um in in a little bit more news, sort of while while we move away from Parker Brodo, and obviously we'll keep you updated with anything that emerges with regards to his contract status. Um, there's news on Roman Reigns getting new music, so uh, a lot of people are like, mm, the the mm-hmm. music doesn't suit him like the whole Shield music. It needs to change with his new gimmick. So he said uh, to. Uh, Bleacher Report, we're working on it. It's not easy because I'm not going to with this character. It has to be right. We can't just hire a rapper, check his guitar riff. It can't be some rock music. The Shield music, I wasn't really into it back in the day, but over the years, it just started working. You get so used to it that it's it just time and a pace. But yeah, it takes some time and it has to be right. In order to move away from something you've had for so long and so recognizable, like the music I have now, it's got to be perfect. It's taking some time, but we're definitely working on it. So be patient. WrestleMania probably time for new music or a big pay-per-view can't just have it on, on an episode of Smackdown I think it's got to be sort of a new pay-per-view have, Brock, uh, have uh, Roman Reigns come out with his new music
2: Yeah I think with Roman having the Shield music that was kind of always something that was used against him wasn't it that he still had the Shield outfit and he still had the Shield music um, and it did work it, it, would, it would be so weird to hear him with something else but he really needs it but he's such a heel that I would love him to just be no music. Like, you remember when Champa did that in NXT? Just coming out. Or something that's really, really low-key. Um, I'm almost thinking, like, something like um, G.O.D.'s last theme, not their current one, the one before that. Something, I, yeah. It has a-
1: it's got to suit that Samoan-ness. And I'm not mm-hmm. sure how you do that. I mean... I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully something of that ilk that sort of symbolises what he's doing and everything they've done with him has been 10 out of 10 so far. So I'm looking forward to seeing yeah. the more more of what they do with him and sort of mm-hmm. the music and the other part of his presentation that comes with that. Mm-hmm.
2: Everything they've done, as you said, has been so perfect, but it seems that he's had so much of a say in it that this music is not going to be like kind of a Keith Lee job, it's got to be something that's really, that he is totally comfortable with.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, we, we got a couple of more ultra chats here that I want to get into before we head out. One here from Matty, who says, hey, Louie, and hey, Steph, hope you're both good. I asked Alex and SV3 this a while ago, but did you like the 2009-10 Raw guest host era? Who was your favourite and least favourite? P.S. Matthew McCoskey asks, with TakeOver and Revolution coming up, predict most of the card um look at matthew miskovsky there getting in a comment when he's uh not paid cheeky but uh we'll do it because matty's Matty's ultra chatted um did i like the 2009 2010 ghost uh guest host era before i wasn't watching at the time so i'm not going to pretend to be sort of the biggest fan of the era but in terms of my favorite i don't really know i can't I can't really name you any of the hosts. As I said, I wasn't watching at the time, so your guess is as good as mine. Uh, how about you?
2: I can't think of anyone. There's people that I think of that I can't remember if they were guest hosts or not that I was surprised/slash happy to see turn up, like a Betty White or John Johnson. But I can't, you know, exactly remember what what they did. Did I like the guest host role era? No, because it was just um. You know, it was a gimmick thing that took away from the wrestling. Like, I don't want to see it. I'm not a big fan of celebrity involvement in wrestling. I'm really not. Um, it's not my thing. So, yeah, that whole that whole era wasn't really for me.
1: You know, I completely agree. It's like, listen, you've got you, – you've obviously got – it was only two hours to fill at the time. And it's yeah. obviously good for, for sort of uh, – that mainstream appeal you i remember Hugh Jackman came on so you've got Hugh Jackman i remember he he knocked out Dolph Ziggler and Dolph Ziggler had a hairline fracture the next couple of weeks on Raw so you get somewhere like a mainstream place saying oh this has happened with 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 WWE superstars and Hugh Jackman or you have um what do you want to call it? who? Who also, The Entourage were there when there was whole the Zack Ryder and John Cena storyline. So you have people like them, and then the mainstream sites pick them up. And I remember you were saying when you said you started in journalism, anything that you could do for an entertainment site that linked yeah. to wrestling—that's why they did it. Yeah. They did it. John Stewart
2: was the man movie. at the time. John, it was John Stewart was, um, he was,
1: was, he was the man. man yeah. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know what he did at SummerSlam, but nonetheless, Um and the rest. Of yeah, the question, it's one uh, of those. Can we pick? Gone. No, no, carry on. It's fine. Uh, I was going to say uh, for the rest of the uh, ultra chat. He said, "Can we predict the card for takeover and revolution?" Uh, I mean, we can give a few matches. I think for revolution, we see SCU versus the Young Bucks, with uh, that being SCU's last match. I think they're going to win the battle royal, and then they're going to lose at revolution and have, be sort of that—that—that that, be their last match as a team. Uh, in, in terms of yeah. other matches. Probably Moxley and Omega. Um, And I could see something with Sting, Taz and Cody versus... uh, Sting, Darby Allen, and Cody, sorry, versus Team Taz in some sort of cinematic or or way that Sting can be protected. Uh, We'll get on to talking about what you think about the show and then we'll mention our takeover stuff. So what do you think for AEW Revolution? Any match predictions?
2: Um, Young Bucks and SCU, yeah, that that probably seems to be the way. Um, If they're going to do Sting... In the street fight I, I would save it for the pay-per-view but you know they do like putting stuff on tv um i'm trying to think of a women's match because we're getting thunder rose and brit baker in a couple of weeks um i mean if baker oh, wins
1: probably baker and cheetah
2: yeah that would make sense that would make sense um but that's you know that's a big match that could be a title change yeah. match. Um Moxley, yeah, I think he'll probably get a shot against Omega. He's not gonna win, so maybe it's a Good Brothers interference or something like that. Um and I feel like there could be something inner circle ish. It might be Sammy versus MJF, uh, to yep. sort this out again because they're these two are never getting along. But yeah, it's it is a hard card to predict because we have the beach. Um, bad stuff coming in there in between.
1: No, I agree with you. And um, in terms of uh, TakeOver cards, I'd say Pete Dunne versus Finn Balor, probably the finals of the men's and women's Dusty Cups. So for me, Grizzled Young Veterans versus probably MSK. Um, And then for the women, probably Candice LeRae and Io Shirai. Uh, Candice LeRae and, um, whatchamacallit, who, who was it? Indy Hartwell. Indy Hartwell. Yeah, Indy Hartwell versus, um, uh, Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai. And I'd probably go for Io Shirai versus Mercedes Martinez as well. Probably something with Johnny Gargano and Kashida in there, uh, as well.
2: I feel like with the men, I, I feel like we could see Champa and Thatcher in there in yeah. in, the, in the finals. Yeah, because yeah. it would be, um, it would not be unique in the Dusty Cup for a put together tag team to win it like that. They um, love that.
1: It wouldn't be the Dusty do.
2: Cup without it. Yeah. Yeah. So I could see something
1: like that. <laughs> Completely. Um we got a few more ultra chats which we'll head into before we head out of here. One from Russell Scope who says, Could the winners of the women's dusty cup become the first NXT women's champions? For me, no. they, they don't need another belt. They should just get a shot at no. the there be women's tag titles, which I'd like to see defended more on NXT.
2: Yeah. if they used the women's tag team titles better, um they would be across all three brands. like they really would. They're just they're not they're not using them well at all. They, what, the double champion thing worked for Sasha and Bailey because of their character. There is no need for it for it with Oscar. that actually waters down the the achievement that you give Sasha and Bailey. Like the, these yes. belts need to be put on. That's why, you know, they, they weren't the best wrestlers at all, but that's why the Iconics were so perfect because they were a tag team, just being a tag team, doing tag team things. So you could have them, you know, go down to NXT, move across on SmackDown and take on everyone.
1: They weren't they two singles that would be put into a tag slot, which I think is important. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, I don't see that happening at scope. Um, and then final one here from CM Chris. Uh, hi, Louis, and hi, Steph. Yeah, another quality show from Dynamite last night, and who knows what will happen with AEW slash Impact in the future after what Mox said in his promo as well. I love wrestling right now. Yeah, I mean, you can't not love wrestling yeah. right now. It, it's such a good time to be a fan. Hopefully that is only going to improve when crowds come back. That, that, that's Like, when crowds come back, mm-hmm. we can get... Fans at Impact, I mean, Impact is probably going to have great show, great, great numbers at their shows. WrestleMania are going to have fans. I can't wait to hear that proper crowd uh, back again at Mm -hmm. some point. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, Anything you wanted to add, Steph, before we uh, head on out?
2: Yeah, it's a great time to be a wrestling fan. And it always is in January because no matter what the WWE do, they always give us the Royal Rumble. And in recent years, too. So... Is January is a great time to be a wrestling fan. Everything else sucks in January except wrestling.
1: This is true. Um, but, guys, thank you so much for your support over the last couple of days on the Wrestling Daily shows. And uh, mm-hmm. just since, since Alex hasn't been here, and, and while well, he's been here as well. Um, be yeah, here it's been today. really fun doing it with you, Louis. It has it been has fun. Been really fun. It has been really fun. Hopefully, Alex can get flown out to Abu Dhabi more often. Um, but I'll be here tomorrow <laughs> with Dave, uh, UK commentator Dave Bradshaw, who uh, was on the rest of podcast on Friday with Luke Owen. So I'll be here with him tomorrow, looking at the news in professional wrestling and looking forward to next week, which is Royal Rumble Week. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, I'll be back on Tuesday with yours. Your stream will be back with Alex McCarthy. The triumphant return on Tuesday next week. To digest war, which I'm sure he cannot wait to get into. Um, while, while you wait for those shows, make sure you're following Stephanie on Twitter at Chase and over on YouTube at her YouTube channel. Yeah,
2: join me tomorrow for my AW show at 11:30 uh, PM uk time
1: tomorrow it's just about to get there because there is so much we didn't talk about we didn't talk about inner circle we didn't talk about eddie kingston jake Roberts. so if you want to you can you can and not know any not, not know everything that steph thought about the shows uh but yeah guys thank you so much and we will see you soon